Anybody glad to be in Jesus tonight? Wow. Because I was watching the early news reports of this horrific scene unfolding up there in Roseburg, Oregon. I, I, I thought to myself, you know, this is what happens when a country loses its moorings. When good becomes evil and evil becomes good. When people turn away from the one true, the one living God. When God becomes who you make him. Very often, uh, especially here in America, I think God is money or resources or possessions to an awful lot of people. As Kevin was praying earlier, some of you may have seen, and, and I don't want to give this too much credit yet, but there was a tweet that was posted at about 5.45 this afternoon from someone who was in a writing class in that school, and apparently the question was asked, are you a Christian? And they were then shot in the head. And if you denied being a Christian, you were shot in the legs. Now that was a tweet, so I want to be really careful. But it's now being reported by the news media as being true. We've known these things were going to happen for a long time. This is not new news to believers. And I want to make sure tonight, and I want to begin tonight, by reminding you that for those of us who love the Lord, there is an expected and very hopeful end. Our Redeemer draws near. We don't know the day or the hour. We know He's coming, and He's coming, I believe, very soon. You probably may have seen in the news. And the reason I'm sharing these, these are from today. This is not last week. This isn't last month. This isn't a year ago. This isn't the last decade. These things happen today. As Amir was sharing with us last Thursday night, great time, amen? As he was sharing, he, he's sharing principally from the prophecies of Ezekiel. I'm going to refer to one of those tonight. But as he's sharing from the prophet Ezekiel's writing, it says that in the last days, that this consortium of nations that will be Islamic, that will be headed by Russia, will come from the north and invade Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu, Prime Minister, stood before the UN today and of his own, a country one-third the size of the county of San Bernardino stood before the UN representing virtually the whole rest of the world and he says, you have fallen asleep 
while the world persecutes my country. And he's right. And so today we have evidence that not only did the Russian planes bomb targets of the Free Syrian Army, whom we, the United States of America, trained to help keep ISIS from controlling Syria, but they were also aided by regulars from the Quds Force from Iran under the auspices of Hezbollah. Furthermore, we now have satellite intelligence that there are uniformed Chinese soldiers in Syria. The world is a very, very, very dangerous place. Your Bible said that this is exactly what it would look like as we get close to the end. So if that frightens you, give your life to Jesus tonight. And then start preaching Christ crucified to anybody that will listen. Amen? Because he's the answer to the problem in Roseburg, Oregon. He's the answer to the nuclear reactors in Iran. He's the answer to the Russians invading Syria, by the way, after they've invaded Ukraine and Crimea and Chechnya and Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan. Christ, the Prince of Peace, is the answer. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we've come, Lord, to hear your word. And God, not to sensationalize it, not to frighten. Certainly to make aware, and in some cases warn. Because you, Jesus, said, when you see that these things are so, look up. For our redemption draws nigh. And Lord, we are gazing at heaven tonight. We don't know when you're going to come, but we know the world stage has set the pieces on the chessboard of this world have never been where they are tonight. God, be with our leaders in this country. Lord, pray that there would be revival. God, would you wake up the church to the reality that we don't have all eternity to make our decision. Your word has declared to us through the ancient saint Joshua, choose this day whom you will serve. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Bless us tonight with your presence by your spirit, Lord, in this place. Make your word alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Revelation 6, we'll pick up in verse 7, the final, the fourth horseman of a time that may not be too far distant, known as the time of Jacob's trouble, the tribulation of days, the day of the Lord. These reference points throughout prophetic scripture as, as God was reminding his people from the time of the patriarchs until today, that God has 
a limit. People don't like to think of this. God will not strive with mankind indefinitely. He has a limit. He's only going to allow evil to go so far, and then he's pulling the strings off of what restrains. We know him as the Holy Spirit. Right now, evil is restrained by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in God's people and the Holy Spirit in this world. But there will come a point in time when the Holy Spirit will be removed. The time that we call the tribulation will unfold. And during that time, sequentially, as we've seen the first horse, the rise of the Antichrist, the second horse, war, the third horse, famine and pestilence, and now the final horse, which is really the worst of the four, and in some ways the culmination of the first three at its, at its apex, at its high point. Verse 7, it says here in Revelation 6, And when he opened the fourth seal, so you can see this is also the fourth seal judgment. So we're in the midpoint of the seal judgments. This is the fourth one. Three have proceeded. We're at the fourth. There will be three more. The fourth seal, I heard the voice coming from the fourth living creature saying the same thing. Come and see. So these worshipful beings that have gathered around the throne of God, that have, that have come to the Lord as he unrolls these scrolls, he's now broken one, and he's broken two, and he's broken three, and he's broken four, and each one must be released before the other. And so he comes to the fourth seal that's on this scroll that, that really is the remaining history uh, of man on this earth apart from the Prince of Peace. You, you see, if you've ever wondered why God is doing what he's doing, it's because he's merciful and because he's kind and he is unwilling, he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so man is allowed to do the things that man does. How anyone could possibly do what was done today. For us who know the Lord is beyond our understanding. We don't get it. It does not enter into our mind. But the mind of man, the heart of man is deceitful and it's desperately wicked and who can know it? And so man without God has always had this capacity and man even with God still has a remnant of that sin nature but God will not strive with man forever. And to prove his point, he's going to allow man to become as evil as man can be. He has not yet done that. As hard for us to imagine as that is when we look back at the course of human history. And if you're a student of history, every great empire that has ever existed in the course of human history has never lasted as long as the United States of America. We are, we are the world's longest lasting democracy. Alexis de Tocqueville, when he came to America and tried to find out what made America great. He eventually came to the assumption that as soon as Americans could figure out how to give themselves gifts, that we would be short-lived. What do we see in our country right now? We have figured out how to gift ourselves what everyone else in time 
has worked for. That doesn't mean that there aren't a whole bunch of hardworking people in this sanctuary tonight. I'm sure that's true. But it's now guesstimated that uh, almost a third of the population of the United States gets some form of federal support monthly. And whether that's Social Security or some program. And, and, and God is, is looking at all of this. And he sees the world in struggle and turmoil and strife. And he watches as innocents die every day and his heart is grieved. He's not going to let it go on forever. And so I looked and behold... A pale horse, and that word pale is a very unique Greek word. It is koros. It is the same root from which we get the word chlorophyll. And it means green. So this pale horse is a pale green color. And the name of him who sat on it was death this is not a cheery passage tonight because it's describing man becoming as evil as man can be and here God's judgment remember God is sending he's allowing these horses to ride out he's literally releasing them to do their work And it's a perfect picture of the sovereignty of God. We have a tough time assigning things like this to the character and to the nature of God. But remember that God is perfect even in his judgment and in his justice. He's perfect when he allows horrible things to happen. He's perfect even in his allowances. And so the one who sat on this horse, the rider of this horse... This horse and the rider that's on it of this apocalypse was death. And Hades followed with him. And I want to illuminate this as we move forward. And the power was given to them, check this out, over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword. That's a quarter of the population of the entire world. Tonight that would be one point about six, five billion people with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And so here this writer comes out and it's it's Hades. It's a Greek word. It's used to denote it. the Hebrew equivalent is Sheol. It's the abode of the dead. And as you look at this, John sees these personages ride out. And with him, this incredible picture of wholesale slaughter of a quarter of the earth's population. And as they ride out, remember the Revelation chapter 1 already told us, when we get to chapter 21, there's exactly one person who holds the keys to death in Hades. Amen? His name is Jesus. And why is that? Because you're dealing in these two personages, this personage, 
that has both characteristics. You're dealing with both the body and the soul. Because death takes the body. When you die, uh, your tent gets rolled up. It's done. It was built for this earth, built of things of this earth, and so death takes your body. And if you don't know the Lord, Hades is the residing place of your soul. Still to this day, every person who has ever died without faith is still awaiting the great white throne judgment. They're all still there, every last one of them. And so who rides out but this harvesting of the bodies of one quarter of the population of the entire world, in other words, wholesale death, and we're given a picture of how that works. And with that, all of those souls are gathered up Now remember, this is the tribulation. There will be saints. People will come to faith in Christ during that time. But you think it's hard now? It's infinitely easier now than it will be then. Because then it will cost your life, most likely, nearly instantaneously. You'll say yes to Jesus and boom, you're gone. And so there won't be that continuing witness. There won't be large churches in mass gathering during the tribulation. There'll be a few people sharing scripture. And all of a sudden it'll be made known where they are. And here comes whoever it is that's doing the killing. Tribulation saints. This is talking about people that don't know the Lord. Brothers and sisters, this ought to make you very concerned for people that you know tonight that do not know the Lord Jesus. Though this is well into the latter part of the tribulation, if, if the rapture were to happen tonight, it would be at least uh, you know, three and a half years plus some time into the tribulation. This appears to be near the end, right before the Lord comes to fight that final battle at Armageddon. But as these things unfold, these people are all going to perish, both in body and in spirit. In other words, they're going to hell. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I have all kinds of time. I have people tell me this all the time. You ask them about things, they'll go, well, you know, I, you know I, I'm young. I mean, I kind of want to live a little. If you're facing this, there's nothing worth living for. There's nothing on this earth worth that and so death and Hades ride out the physical the spiritual you see that's the problem that people don't want to acknowledge we talk about you know out of body experiences and near death experiences people will share with you well you know my friend died and went to wherever and they saw Uncle Bob and Uncle Bob said hi. You know, they, and he told me to tell you to make sure you go to Costco this afternoon because there's a sale. Now, people tell you the strangest things. And so on one hand, they'll admit that there is a non-material soul. They're actually confessing that. They're saying, yeah, we believe that there's something outside of the physical because it surely wasn't 
the body of that person that went there because it's been in the same morgue for a long time. <coughs> well, he came and talked to me. There's actually only a couple of possibilities. Either you got a visit from an angel warning you, or that was the dead departed spirit that was talked about in Luke chapter 16, even if an angel came from heaven. I wouldn't believe. You're three parts. You're a body. You have a mind. And you have a spirit. And your spirit gets exactly two places in which it will dwell for all eternity. And you get to choose which one it is. And to know Jesus is to have no fear. Amen? Amen. Think about it. John sees these enemies going forth to claim their prey, armed with weapons, sword, hunger, pestilence, wholesale death, wild beasts. In ancient times, human interaction and war caused these things. You, You can easily see. If you've ever watched any, you know, you'll watch the Discovery Channel history of the Second World War, and you realize what happens after large-scale conflict. Starving people, nearly living skeletons. All of the prison camps that were liberated by the Americans, the British, and even the Russians. People had, had lost more than half of their body weight, and yet they were still alive. Living off of grass and bugs. Now imagine a war, a cataclysm, that is fully at least four times greater than anything we've ever seen in human history. And this is not the end. Imagine the destruction of World War II on a global scale. How many people starving? You know, uh, you, you may think of farmers as country bumpkins, but you better be really thankful for them because there ain't no farms here in L.A. So what they do in the Central Valley in raising fruits and vegetables and nuts and chickens and all those cows you see when you drive up the five... Yeah, that beef that comes to your table didn't, didn't come from Norwalk. <laughs> now imagine that all those farmers aren't there anymore and their fields have been laid waste by battle. Imagine the infrastructure is destroyed. There is no water delivery system. You know, some nut job decides he wants to really destroy Southern California. He really only has to blow up one thing. That's the All-American Canal. Because 90% of our water here in Southern California comes from there. Doesn't come from here either. Now imagine that you have the mindset of a modern warfare scenario and death rides out. And with them is smart bombs and helicopters, global positioning systems to make sure those bombs go right through the window they're intended 
They hit the canal they're supposed to hit. They hit the water delivery and pumping systems. They take out the farms. You talk about pestilence and famine and disease like we have never seen. Because the population of the world right now is twice what it was at World War II. There are twice as many people. People say, oh, it can't happen. Sure it can. We've seen it. We just have never seen it this bad before. Because the Holy Spirit has always been here before. You see in ancient times as conquering tyrants, one of the ways that they would make sure that they were never fought again by those same people that they already conquered was they would take their farmlands and burn them. They would destroy and fill in their wells. We do the same thing. Suffering people from the days of the Roman Empire to the most recent wars that are ongoing right now to what's going on in Syria. You know, sometimes we look at the, our world and we, we go, ah, you know, that's just, that's an isolated incident. Is it really? Is it really? What choice does it, if anyone can answer this question for me, I want to hear the answer. What choice is Israel going to have except to destroy Iran's nuclear reactors very soon? They're going to have to. They're going to have a choice. They're going to have to use weapons that we've never seen used to do those types of things before. Bunker-busting nukes, followed by Tomahawk cruise missiles. People don't realize Israel has a navy. They have a couple of submarines, and those submarines are armed with cruise missiles. That's just one little country. Praise God that all these things, these dreaded horsemen, you don't need to worry about. No Jesus, no fear. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, if you want to turn there, look at this together. I want to encourage you. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Amen? You can't get there with what you got. It's another way to look at it. So whatever our bodies are going to look like when we get to heaven, they're not going to be the ones you currently occupy. Praise the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, God, deliver me from these knees. Too much basketball. Behold, I tell you a mystery, and it is a mystery. We shall all not sleep. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Man, what a glorious hope. Can you imagine? Going to be wandering around one day. Some nut job called the Antichrist comes on the scene. Where'd they go? Yeah, Calvary Chapel South Bay has been vacant for a while. I'm not sure. I mean, we should uh, see what they were all about. They come in, your Bible's still sitting there in the pew where you left it. Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You'll be changed. Notice, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised in corruptible glory. Amen? 
I'd love to be incorruptible because right now I'm not. I'm corrupt. Flesh is weak. But we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. You're going to need that change. You're going to want that change. And you're going to love that change. You will say, well, how am I going to... Look, if God can't make us know each other, he's not too bright. Amen? You just ask some of the silliest questions. If you actually think about them, well, I want to keep the body I have. Why? I mean, I'm looking at you. It's not that great. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, glory, hallelujah. Some of us, it can't come too soon, amen? (laughs) And this mortal has put on immortality. We shall be brought to pass, we shall brought to pass the saying that is written, and notice this. This is the answer to the horseman. Get it, see it, understand it. For it is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah, amen? Praise God for the cross of Christ. He has defeated death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Notice it. Oh, Hades, where is your victory? You see, death and Hades are going to be riding around looking for you. Man, they're not here. Where'd they go? There. Victorious. Amen? We look towards that day. For the sting of death is sin. You see that little tinge. When we sin, it's a little death each time. A little bit of your mind, a little bit of your body. The wages of sin is death. Amen? So praise God that one day that's taken care of. You exit stage left. You move from time to eternity. And the strength of sin is the law. While you're here, you're bound by the law. The law has sway over us. You can look at the law and exactly as Paul said, it's a tutor, it's a schoolmaster unto Christ. I can't keep it. I'm hopelessly lost if I'm trying to keep the law. That's why when a legalist comes to me and they say, well, Thus says, they always use that voice, so it's usually in Oxford. Thus says the Lord. <laughs> yeah, well, thus says Jesus. Death, where is your sting? You, you, you see, the, the, the problem with us while we're here is the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, Amen who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We need to see it. We need to know it. People start, well, you know, I don't want to study the book of Revelation, you know, because I always get bummed out. Don't get bummed out. Get excited about telling people about the answer. That's why we're doing Harvest Fest, by the way. It's not so we can hop up all of the South Bay on candy. (laughs) Though that's actually a good thing once in a while. The reason is we want to tell them about Jesus so that they can escape the problem of sin and death. 
and give them the victory in Christ Jesus. In the book of Revelation, it's been a source of encouragement to us throughout time. It will continue to be so. So Lamb opens the scroll. Remember this, God's in control. He's opening it up. Then this catches him by surprise. He's like, oh no, I've got to open. An, you know, can you imagine the Lord Jesus? Well, I've got to open another scroll, you know. No, it's going to be the climax of the, of the rule of sin on this earth. It's going to be over. I'll just say, look, this is enough. People have suffered enough. No more injustice. No more innocent children dying. No more people shooting each other. No more bombs. They'll beat their swords into plowshares. Amen? The lamb will lie down with the lion. I'm going to finally get what I've always wanted. Always wanted to do that. But I don't like being eaten, so I don't do it yet. I'm going to raise, I'm going to do the Lion King thing. You can see it now. There's an obvious contradiction here because you've got a lot of people in the world saying, oh, it'll get better. I haven't seen it get better. I've seen it get a lot worse in a very short period of time, my lifetime. You know, I remember having so much pride back in the 60s, especially in the 1960s as the space race is on. It was like every time we launched another rocket into space, it's like, take that. You rotten Russians, you know, it was, you kind of had that pride. And I know it's a little bit tweaked, but that's me. And, and you'd watch that, it's like we're, you know, and, and then we, we progressed. My dad was actually on the Atlas rocket project. And then the Gemini project, you know, where we start with the Mercury capsules and a single, and then the Gemini capsule held two people, and finally the Apollo. You guys realize the Apollo rocket's almost 400 feet long. It is a big Big, big, it's still a huge rocket. They blast off, we put people on the moon. I'm like, yes. I thought things would continue to get better. I figured by now, how many of you, how many of you in here are older, you remember watching Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey? If you notice something, 2001 came and went, didn't it? And we ain't been to Mars yet. It's not getting better. Oh, we're getting smarter. What Daniel said is true. We have more knowledge about the word. We have more knowledge in general. That future utopia is not possible without the Prince of Peace. It can't happen. The Bible actually says there in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, actually verse 13, it goes on to finish the thought. But there will be terrible times in the last days, and evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, is what the New Living Translation says. They'll go from bad to worse. You know what? The Holocaust was real bad. When we travel next year, should the Lord tarry to Jerusalem, 
and you walk through Yad Vashem and you stand on that glass floor over all of those shoes from Auschwitz, if you don't weep until you have no tears, I would question whether there's a functioning soul. It is one of the hardest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Because more than 50% of them are about that big because they're children's shoes. That's nothing compared to this. Jesus opens that fourth seal. He'll say to that living creature, Come. Look, the tribulation is going to be rotten. It's going to be horrible. It's going to be bad. Make no mistake about it. The color here is the color of spoiled meat. Now, I don't know about you, but Connie and I are kind of famous for saving leftovers. Not to eat them, but as science experiments. <laughs> and they often involve the color green. You know, you just kind of slide that, that pizza from Blaze back there in the back. That doesn't stay very often. Somehow that gets eaten. But you know that, that leftover from Olive Garden, it goes back there and you kind of a week later, it talks to you from the back of the fridge. <laughs> Hello, we're still here. I am Mr. Green Mold. That's the color of this horse. Putridness, death. I want you to see something here because this really is a, a horrible progression. But I also want to tell you that mankind asks for it. This is what mankind's been asking for. It's hard for us to imagine that, but we refuse to turn from our sin. We refuse to stop killing each other. We refuse to stop turning to evil. I don't know how many of you had an opportunity to watch the president of Planned Parenthood testify before Congress, but I nearly threw up. For anyone to sit there and justify what is being done, forget the videos, what is being done in Planned Parenthood, they are the largest abortion provider in the country. Almost 85% of what they do is not women's health, it's death of babies. Let's call it what it is. And to justify it by saying it's women's health is the reason this is going to happen. One of them. Because we've devalued human life. We have made immorality normal. We have said that women don't matter in essence. I have never understood and still do not understand why women don't rise up. Why women don't rise up and say enough. Because the problem is the immorality that causes the unwanted pregnancies. You see, this is a leftover from the 60s that became law in the 70s and it has become a plague in 2015. It is a blight on our country. It is a blight on our world. Because of indiscriminate sex, we have children that are now the object of scorn. 
Well, I don't want to ruin my financial standing. You know, I, I, may, I may suffer. Now, let me say something very boldly and very clearly. Every one of those abortions, there is a man that suffers the same judgment. Now, having said that, the answer is Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace. You see, we can't keep going the way we're going and expect God not to judge us. It can't happen. He's going to judge this country. And anybody that says he's not is wrong. Because my Bible says so. Notice the progression. The first rider on the white horse. He's actually not really armed. He's got a bow and no arrows. He's primarily a political figurehead. He's a peacemaker, if you will. Notice the second rider carries a single large sword. He just goes out, makes no bones about it. It's just war, basically. The rider on the black horse actually has two weapons, economic collapse and famine. And now notice the fourth rider, four weapons. Horrible scene. He has the sword, he has famine, he has plagues, and even wild animals finally turn against mankind. And I believe that this is the penalty that we're facing right now in our world. And I want to share with you from Romans chapter 1, and the reason I do so Paul the Apostle was writing in a very, very, very concise way in Romans chapter 1. And what he said there was, For the wrath of God, in verse 18, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, human life matters, but when you suppress that truth in unrighteousness for an unrighteous reason, now you change the truth. When we just rampant drug use, marriage no longer matters. We go out into the world and our whole goal and purpose is to make life better for us no matter what happens everywhere else. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. In here, family of God, in here, internally, in every last Human being, you have been made by your creator in his image. And you have within you every last human being has within them the basic understanding that we didn't make ourselves and that we are not the product of blue-green algae cell dividing over billions of years. There is a creator God in heaven who has made you in his likeness. That's how you got here. It's already in there. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Family of God, all you have to do is stare into the heavens and know that there's a God. Big Bang does not explain that. It doesn't even come close. You sit down and talk with any honest astrophysicist, and they will tell you they have way more questions than they have answers. 
You, you sit down with someone who works at, at CERN. The Hadron Large Collider. As they're smashing these particles together at, at sometimes speeds in excess of the speed of light. Trying to find that God part. They'll tell you, we don't know. Matter of fact, they believed initially that there was a possibility they might create a black hole and the entire universe would be sucked into it. And they still did it. That ain't really smart. Just saying. For since the creation of the world is invisible, attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that were made, even as eternal power and his Godhead. In other words, his absolute power, what does it take to make things? You have to have matter, you have to have energy, and you have to have intelligence. Amen? It's the three basic component parts of everything. Your Bible says God is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he did it by simply speaking it into existence. Light be and light was, period. Energy. So that they are without excuse. In other words, the average person is supposed to be able to look at the world around us and go, there's a God. But we have become, become so enamored with our own intelligence that we miss it. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful. But became futile in their thoughts, their foolish hearts became darkened. Professing themselves to be wise. Boy, is that not the case today. I got a PhD, a KFC, a 1, 2, 3, and a BVD. <laughs> it's like you talk to people and you have to flip their card over to get some more acronyms. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Notice what they did. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image like corruptible men. They started worshiping. Notice this. The birds, the four-footed animals, the creeping things. And therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. All of a sudden, sexual sin, because they worshiped the creation instead of the creator, because they refused to honor God, because they would not give God his place rightfully in the universe as creator. He said, look, you, you're going to be given over to uncleanness. You're going to think that two men make a marriage. You're going to think that two women make a marriage. You're going to think somehow that genetically we're going to be able to keep the population going that way. You're going to become so wise that you're not going to see the obvious, which if that's the norm, we all die in a couple of generations. Gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. Do you see it? 2,000 years ago, Paul, authoring those words by the Holy Spirit, described our world to a T. And never before have we been worshipers of Mother Earth more than we are right now. But I'm telling you what's going to happen with Al Gore's Mother Earth goddess Gaia. 
She's going to turn around and bite him. Flipper's going to flip out. Shamu's going to have human snacks. And Peta's going to get eaten by Fido. Because the wild beasts are not going to have anything to do but turn back on the nuts that began to worship the world and everything on it. That's all that's going to be left, folks. Now, do I love animals? You better believe it. Come to our house, you'll see two of the most spoiled Labradors you've ever seen in your entire life. Along with two cats. We have cat dogs. (laughs) But I don't worship them. I don't go out and bow down. We need to get it right. There's a difference between a dog and a child. There's a difference between a whale and a baby. God said so. And we can either believe it or we can do it our way and suffer the consequences. God has been very patient. That horrible progression is something that we caused. And when I say we, I mean humankind. What's it really saying? Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 has the answer for us. Beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. He's not making an equivalence here that every single time a day goes around, it's a thousand years. It's not a way to come up with billions of years of time, as many make this passage out to be. He's simply saying God doesn't keep time the way we do. He invented time. In the beginning means there was a beginning to time. Because if there wasn't a beginning, then there is no time. Time is marked from a point to a point. It's a scientific reality. It's one of the realities of our universe as we know it now. Time is a tangible object. It's part of Einstein's equation. God created time. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. What promise? That one day he would send the Savior into the world to save mankind. And then once he was done with that age of grace, that he would redeem all of those who have believed, take us up to heaven... And then he would deal with the problem of sin and death. He's not slack concerning that promise. As some count slackness. You know, some people sit around, well, you know, Christians have been saying that for 2,000 years now. This whole Jesus coming back thing, that's just stupid. Don't call God stupid. Because that's who you're really saying that about. No, he's not slack concerning his promises. He is coming back. Amen? And he's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords in all of his glory. But is long-suffering towards us. Please underline that. That's the reason. That's why it's taken so long. God is long-suffering, and he is not willing that any should perish. In other words, from God's eternal perspective, he has never planned ever for a single person to perish, not one. God's desire is that all men, every one of humankind, should not perish, but that all should come to repentance. So this delay, 
that's allowed wars and famine and pestilence and armaments to be made of mass destruction and, and police actions all over the world and, and starvation and all the other stuff. Everybody w- goes around the world go well, you know, God's a loving God. Anybody in here heard that one? If God's a loving God, why? And then they follow it with. That's the answer. He's not willing that any should perish. And so rather than judging the world instantaneously, he has allowed all men the opportunity to choose this day whom they will serve, to come to the knowledge of the truth, to walk away from the creation and turn to the Creator. That's why. That's a simplistic answer, but that's why. Because God is long-suffering. But don't think for a moment that he hasn't seen every last one of those injustices. And there will be an end. His wrath is being stored up right now. And one day his wrath will be full. That cup of wrath, as the prophet cried out, one day will overflow. And Jerusalem will become a cup of trembling to the entire world. And God will say, enough. And the rider on the pale horse is basically just taking his due. Saying, you ask for it. You get it. This is what you've purposed in your heart to have come to pass. And so here it is. And you can see it. You see, some people joke. They, they actually laugh. Oh, that tri- tribulation thing. You guys are, you Christians. You just do that to get people in the church so that you can scare them so they'll give money. If you came here thinking that I'm trying to talk you out of money, keep your money. God don't need it, neither do I. But if you came here because you love Jesus Christ then you have the answer that those people are looking for. We stand on the brink of global crises like we have never seen before. And we could go down a list from the World Health Organization to the various health organizations throughout all of the nations of the world. We could look at the geopolitical climate throughout the world. We could look at the rogue nations. We look at nations like North Korea and go... You know, that, that nut job would sell a nuke to Iran like that if it meant that he was going to have some new cool party toy. I mean, he's that, he's that much of a lunatic. Now imagine that guy has his finger on nuclear weapons. Who knows how long he'll be restrained. Next five years, the World Health Organization is estimated between 300 and 500 million people will contact and then eventually die from a disease that we cured back in the 60s, malaria. Malaria was eradicated in, a, in the African continent in the 60s. It is now the number one cause of death in the African continent. Figure that one out. Why? Because we worshipped the rainforest, because we worship hippos, because we worship elephants, because we worship plant species, because we are more concerned about the environment than we are the people made in God's image. That's why. So we don't use the chemicals anymore that can actually eradicate the mosquitoes. 
that keeps malaria from being a problem. We'd rather have people die than a lion. Now, do I like lions? Love lions. Love elephants. Love rhinos, hippos. I even love the smallest member of the deer family, the dik dik. You didn't know that, did you? The little horns are kind of evil looking. In a cute way. But we've worshipped the creation. We're more concerned about climate change, global warming, than whether we're doing right by God. That's the problem. And until we do right by the Lord, he is not going to relent. So famine takes its people. The sword takes its people. Wholesale death, disease takes its people. And finally, after the collapse of the infrastructure, you think we have a problem with global warming or climate change right now? Wait until we set off a few hundred nuclear weapons. And the dust that's thrown into the atmosphere, the cataclysmic events that unfold, the loss of crops, the loss of forest everywhere. You think we got issues now? Now, praise God, we're not going to see it. And God doesn't want anybody to see it. So tell them about Jesus. That famine that will follow, nobody needs to go through. To wrap this up tonight, Ezekiel, Jesus both said the same thing. And if you want to turn there, Ezekiel chapter 14. I want to briefly look at this. It says there in verse 12, The word of the Lord came to me again, saying, Son of man, when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness. When a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness. Family of God, if you're here tonight and you love the Lord Jesus, has God's character ever changed? It has not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not, says the Lord. His word is very clear on this. He has the same moral values now that he had when he created Adam and Eve. But when a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness, I will stretch out my hand against it. Do you understand what that's saying? When a land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness to me, to God, I will stretch out my hand against it. In other words, when people say things like, I wonder if God isn't judging our country, it's right here. It's in your Bible. I will look at, look at what it says. I will cut off its supply of bread. Doesn't it sound exactly like the tribulation? I will cut off its supply of bread. I will send famine. I will cut off man and beast from it. And even these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it. He says, there's these righteous guys that were in that land, but I still stretched out my hand against it. Ask Noah if God stretched out his hand against the land. Ask Daniel if God stretched out his hand. He was writing from Babylonian captivity. Ask Job. On the earth there was not one like him. So righteous was Job that God bragged about him. And yet he allowed Job's entire family to be wiped out. Because the land, the people in the land were evil. You see, God don't play.
they would deliver only themselves by the righteousness. God always takes care of, look at this, God always takes care of his righteous people. Praise the Lord. Amen? So don't worry. God's got it. If I cause the beast to pass through the land and empty it, you see the picture? It's the same picture. This is 600 years before Paul wrote. 600 years before Jesus walked on this earth. In Luke 17, notice the writings of Jesus as it was in the days of Noah. Who did Ezekiel refer to? Noah. Who does Jesus refer to? Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. For the eight, they drank, they married wives and didn't keep them. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. And likewise it was also in the days of Lot that they ate and they drank. They bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and it destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. You see, it's been a unified message from the very beginning. And that's my point to you tonight to close. God's been saying the same thing throughout history. He's not had a different message. He's saying, don't worship the land. Don't worship beasts. Don't sin. Keep yourself holy. Keep yourself righteous. Follow me. Walk in my ways. And if you persist in this, if you raise your hand against me, I will raise my hand against you. But he's not willing that any should perish. So he's let us do this for a very long time. But the horses will ride out. God's judgment will be tempered, no doubt, with mercy, even in the end. The death, the grave, the wild beasts, all of it will not be able to claim those who love the Lord. Those who were righteous at the rapture are gone. Those who give their life to Christ during that time will be saved. Because the Lord, as Isaiah said, a remnant shall remain. There will always be that godly remnant. God will save those who will come to him. And so our encouragement is this, that though we know the time is short, we also know it won't be one second shorter than God needs to save all those who will be saved. And so get busy about the gospel. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we draw our time tonight together to a close, we pray, God, I pray. Lord, there's anyone here, maybe they have been scared. God, what I've said is, has put fear in their heart. Lord, that was not my intent. But it is your intent to cause us to see the truth. And Lord, the truth is that one day... These horses will ride out. One day the church will be gone. One day the Holy Spirit will be removed. One day we who are alive and remain will meet you in the air. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that there's anyone here that does not know you as the prayer team comes forward, as, as we have men, women available to pray with. 
The gospel message is a simple message. That you, Jesus, came to this earth as the only son of the true and the living God. You gave your life in our place on Calvary's cross. You died for us. And those that believe in your name will be saved. And so, Lord, pray that there would be salvation that would come maybe even to just one person tonight. That message is simple. We invite you in. You send the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And we walk with you as you are in lordship over our lives. We bless you for the peace that we have that surpasses our own human understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Pray that we'd walk in that peace. And as we walk in that peace personally, God, would we care about our fellow man. Lord, help us to stand strong in these last days. And bless us as we do so. We praise you. We thank you. And God's people all said, Amen. Amen and amen.